People in the music industry used to doubt Taylor Parks because of her age. And that's not altogether surprising, right? She's 26, turning 27 next week. And yet, as a songwriter, she's already written music for the most famous and legendary singers in the world. I'm talking about Mariah Carey, Christina Aguilera, Jennifer Lopez, Janelle Monet, Alicia Keys, Kesha, BTS. I could go on and on. And I actually will because she's also written some of Ariana Grande's most popular hits. That includes Seven Rings, NASA, My Everything, and perhaps her biggest hit, Thank You, Next. So no, Taylor's age does not hold her back. In fact, as you'll hear, it is an asset. You see, when she started her career, everything she was experiencing in her life was happening for the first time. First love, first heartbreak, first boyfriend, first girlfriend. And she was able to bring that freshness and urgency to her music, whether she was writing for herself or somebody else. And today, we're going to hear all about that. So from The Advocate Magazine in partnership with GLAAD, I'm Jeffrey Masters, and this is LGBTQ&A with singer-songwriter Taylor Parks. You know, you've worked with some of the biggest musicians in the world, and you've created full albums with these artists. One of the things I think is most intriguing, thinking about your work, is that, um, I can't believe how young you are, to to be honest. Is that something you hear a lot? Yes, it's definitely something that I hear a lot. And also, it's nice because probably just in the past few years, maybe three or four years, I've been seeing a lot more young women kind of step into this role. At first, when I first started, there wasn't so many people my age doing this. And now, you know, you have so many talented women that are young. They're like, now they don't hear, wow, uh, I never see somebody this young doing it anymore. And And I'd like to think that, you know, me and some of my other, you know, incredible peers were a part of making that a normal thing now. So setting out, though, that was something you heard a lot. You were judged by your age. Yes. When I was starting out, yeah, when I was starting out, it was like, okay, no, you don't really probably know what it is to talk about love. They just kind of try to do like the, okay, kid, thing to you. They doubt you just based off of, you know, they've been on the earth longer than you, I guess. (laughs) But I think that it's special for people that are younger and that are coming up to see people like me to say, you know what? Yeah, actually, my age is something that's going to benefit me um, coming in at this time. And do you have an example of like how you see your age as a benefit? Well, when I first started out, it was interesting because it was like, okay, everything was so new to me. So when you're writing a song, you're really tapping into all of these different emotions. And I was able to use my imagination a little bit more when I was younger because it was like, if I was in love, this is what it would feel like or all the things that you assume that it would be. So being able to have that kind of innocence, that youthfulness, all of those things when you're talking about emotions for the first time, for instance, when you get your heart broken the first time, it feels like it's the end of the world. And maybe even the second time. But after like, you know, a few tries of being like, this is just what happens in relationships. You're you're either, you know, going through it and this could be the person that you're with for the rest of your life or not. And, you know, most people go through, a f- go through a few to just try to get it right. But I think that having the innocence of going through all of those situations without I mean, until you get older and realize it's going to be okay, you know, is a part of what makes you feel that artist a little bit more or those lyrics. 
Oh, because the greatest love songs are not written about rational, mature love where, oh, it's a breakup and that's too bad, but I'll move on. I'll get better. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly it. So I think that you, every songwriter has to kind of dive a little bit deeper in into that, like that innocence when they are creating so that it doesn't take away the magic, you know, the magic that you're giving people hope, you know, also when you're, when you're writing music, even especially when it's like a love song. You know, you write songs for other people as well as yourself, and we all have egos, for lack of a better word. Is it as satisfying for you to put something out in the world like Thank You Next, which doesn't have your name attached to it? Well, I think it is because it's, it's it's satisfying in a different way, which is something that me personally as a creative, I need, you know, or else I would be very, very bored. Like I enjoy being on tour and being able to connect with fans who are, you know, relating to my story personally. And then I also like when it's not about me sometimes and it's about really adding value to somebody else's, you know, career. And it's something that's humbling and, you know, it's something that is that allows me to add perspective to myself. And it also gives me the creative freedom to say, look, I'm doing whatever I want. So I could take an entire year off of performing and still be totally fine. Or I could take an entire year off of writing for other people and be completely fine. But I know that I have the creative freedom to do that. With Thank You Next, the example I used, when you write a song like that, which was a number one hit, do you know it like in the studio while you're making it? Like, can you hear that? I think that you know when you have a song that's go- that has the potential to relate to millions and millions and millions of people. You never know that it's a hit until it's a hit, though. So I usually try to say, like, I tell labels and, you know, and A&Rs and, like, whoever it is, that the moment that we start pretending to know what a hit is is the moment where we'll get to the hit faster. Because it's not something that you can just say, oh, I know that the world is going to relate to this. We have a clue. And maybe we can go into that right direction, but it always happens at the right time when the world needs to hear it. And you just happen to put that song on the right artist who they're going to listen to it from. So you're in the studio and you're not thinking, wow, is this going to be a number one? You're thinking, is this going to relate to the most people possible? Yes, because that's what a hit song is. (laughs) Literally, it's how can you get the world to relate to this artist? And for a songwriter's job, like, It's our duty to say, how can we make this artist relatable and it's real? How can we make their story, how can we make the world understand their story coming from them? In your own music, I hear very few pronouns. Like you're not singing about hims and hers and, you know, everything. Is that intentionally to make it relatable to the biggest possible audience? I think that it was something that I started to do towards, like right before I started to work on my album, uh, We Need to Talk. And I I knew that, you know, I'm, I'm bi. So I was also like, well, there's that side of me that doesn't want to shut it off from being whatever gender because it has been either, either gender or at one point in life, you know? And so it was definitely something that I was like, you know what? I also know that I have a lot of fans that feel the same exact way that I do. And I have a lot of girlfriends and I have a lot, of, a lot of guy fans and I have have a lot of them or they fans of whatever your pronoun is and so it is one of those things that I was like I, I don't want to neglect um, people who aren't so literal with whatever their pronoun is and also I don't think that you should exclude people or their listening experience just because you decided to say him or her you know I, I think that it allows for people to say oh this song could be about anybody and I can sing it too without having to kind of censor myself. 
you know, just like a minute ago, you said about being bi. I've actually never heard you label your sexuality before. Never, never. Actually, it was just recently. Actually, they were like, well, what are you? And I, I've always been like, well, some, some days I'm this and some days I'm that. I've never felt like it was something that was important. So identifying as bi is fairly new. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think, I mean, I've always been that, I guess, but I never felt a need to, like, name it. I never was like, I'm straight when I was dating guys. So when I was dating girls, I was like, okay, I'm just Taylor. I've also heard you say that there was never, like, a big sit-down moment where you were like, family, like, I also like women. And so if it's not a big deal to you, though, was it a big deal to your family, though? I guess it was a little bit like, and I guess because it um, it might have been a little selfish, but I think because it wasn't such a big deal to me, I didn't feel like it was necessary to have that conversation. I wasn't like, I wonder how my parents will feel about this because I was just like, yeah, I need to figure out how I feel about it, you know? And so those are the main things that I was like, okay, when my, when it was never a sit down, I was in London and um, my mom was like, who are you out in London with and going to Finland with and all these other things? And I was like, don't worry about it. When I'm ready to talk to you about this situation, because I think even previously when I was dating guys, I would, uh, you know, be there four years, you know, in a relationship and still be like, that's my buddy. Like, I'm just that way. I think that it's more, it's more than a gender thing. It's just my personality when it comes to relationships and keeping them very like separate. I, I don't know why. I've just never been a relationship type of person. But I think that they were shocked because they never, they never really knew me to be in a relationship at all, let alone with a girl. And they just kind of were like, okay. Like, we're from the South, so it is some getting used to because they're like, okay, this is something I haven't had to deal with as a parent. But they're actually really taking it, um, like, really well. And, and in that situation, too, they were just kind of like, I think because I handle it so nonchalant, they were forced to. And so if that's, like, the, the private aspect of things, what about publicly? Have you always talked about it and been comfortable with that? Well, I've never talked about my relationships, period. Um, so I'm, I am very, very private about that. And this is the most that I've ever talked about a relationship in general. And I think that it's also because it's where I am in life. So you've always been able to hear the real me in my music, whether it was the TaylorMade mixtape. And, you know, I was starting off with records like I'm not looking for love and blah, 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 blah. Into we need to talk. And it's just kind of these different evolutions of myself. And I'm realizing that even though I'm like more of a private person when it comes to my personal life it also helps out a lot of other strangers and a lot of other friends to hear every now and then that maybe your favorite artist is just like you you know or maybe not just like you but we can relate you know and so I, I do I think more so is um is an an in into my world and so that people can understand also my music more like you know your your question about why I don't use pronouns with writing and I think that when I start to talk about it even a little bit people understand me a little bit more Looking at some of the most successful songwriters, be it Justin Tranter, they were on the pod. I'm also from the South, so like Shane McAnally from the country world and Brandy Clark. So many of the songwriters we love are also queer. Do you have a grand theory into what queer people like tap into or like a special quality they might bring to the table? I think that it's acceptance. I think that we've had to 
like learn how to whether it's you're accepting something that is different than you or whether you're accepting what you are and I think a massive part of being a songwriter is being able to have somebody whether it's a stranger or your best friend walk into that room and you accept them for what they are and when you've had your own trials and your own tribulations with doing that it's a lot easier to do that with somebody else so you're able to walk into this situation with an open heart you know in my opinion or a lot more open than the average person who maybe didn't have to experience some of the things that you're talking about. Oh, because a big portion of your job with any of the people you write for is building intimacy and pretty quickly too. Yes, very quickly. You're like 30 minutes in. You, Tell me about your childhood. <laughs> so where do you begin? Like, where do you start with somebody like that? Well, I usually try to stay in the moment. Like, how was your day? Who do you love right now? Who do you hate right now? What are you, What is going on in your life? And then I start to go backwards. And how has that evolved from where you were? And then forward. And where would you like to be from there? Because those three questions alone could help basically predict what story you're going to tell throughout the album, if that's the type of session it is. So it's like, wh where are we going to tell them? How are we going to show your evolution as an artist, you know, from the beginning to the end, unless it's just a single one-off. And then in that case, I'm like, well, what do you want to get, get across right now? What do you feel you want the world needs to hear? What do you feel the world needs to hear from you right now that they maybe haven't heard? Like a question I have about that is that we as artists, like we're trying to like address... Also, like the current moment, like we're you're writing songs for 2020 and like looking at, at this moment, we're in a moment of massive necessary social upheaval. Is that something that you are thinking about, like explicitly addressing in your music or do you just save that for like press and like talking? I think it's just whatever comes natural. So sometimes when it does come up in, in an interview or on Instagram or wherever, um, I, I, if I feel like that is a part of the conversation, then by all means, because it's something that, you know, I'm aware of because of what's going on, you know, in the world. And that's, you know, whether it's Black Lives Matter, whether it's Pride, whether it's COVID, all of these things, we're having to pay attention a lot more now than ever. I think that my generation, we've kind of been like, okay, in our own little bubbles, you know, and now we are kind of at this boiling point where I think that it's important for artists to sing about it, talk about it, whatever way comes naturally for you. There has been, I can say that sometimes even me, like the music that's coming out of me now is more on what's going on in the world. And whether I say it explicitly in the song or whether it's a feeling that comes from, for instance, when I would listen to, um, I felt a lot more artists back in the day used to do this. They used to, you had the Marvin Gaye, you had the James Browns, you had all of these people who would sing about this is what is going on. There's war, there's this, you know, you have Donny Hathaway. And now listening to those songs, I relate so much more. I used to listen to them and it was nice chords and it was nice everything, but now I can understand when they're talking about social injustice and unrest, you know, and the entire world feels it, which is, I think, why those songs are still relevant even to this day. So, you know, you have a lot of artists that are hitting me and they're saying, look, I want to talk about what's going on in the world right now. Or how can we find a cool way to talk about it where it's still uplifting, but we want the world to know we're still with you because this kind of goes beyond class. It goes beyond what your fame status is. Like it goes, everybody is feeling this, you know, we're all stuck in the house. And I think that the music after this is going to help us get through it all.
Because every song doesn't need to be Mississippi goddamn. Exactly. But it can be something that like makes you feel better, that like addresses it with just like a mood. Yes. And that's going to be where I would love to see, you know, myself and, and other songwriters really get to that occasion to where it's like, how do you get to take a serious subject and make it easily digestible to where you're uplifting people? Because that is the point of it. Not to, People want to be like, people don't have to be reminded of where they are right now, but we could also write it in completely different ways. And that's the beauty of songwriting is all of those different perspectives matter i gotcha what what genre do you consider your own music i don't know i think that i borrow from a few different genres so it's been really really hard i think that the easiest thing for for most people to digest it is is because if you think of pop you think of just popular music i think that pop is numerous genres and right now we've kind of evolved it as you know, pop can be R&B, pop can be rock, pop can be anything. You know, we've seen the Avril Lavigne's, we've seen the Little Wayne's, we've seen, you know, the Beyonce's. We've seen them all be pop and other things at one point or another. But I think that the that the main thing between all of those, you know, musicians and any musician um, in this day and age, you know, that it's kind of going back and forth between so many different genres, I would say that it's pop because it's mainstream in a way. I also would consider it pop because there's also just like a joy and like a fun to your music too. Yeah, 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 definitely. (laughs) Definitely. I think it's the melodies and the tracks and, and that's my personality, which is why another reason why I was like, you know what, it's time for me to show my my world through my own music because of the simple fact that it was like, you know what, I'm offering a different perspective and I am like this bubbly you know, person that's kind of bouncing around, doing my own thing, and that that's about it. You know, I said that I like country music. You have a song with Florida Georgia Line, and that's a country band. <laughs> <laughs> and that surprised me to see, like, Taylor Parks, you know, collaborating with them. Mm-hmm. Definitely. When you're singing a explicitly different genre, like with a band of Florida Georgia Line, how much do you change your sound or style of singing? Well, I think that I'm able to fall into, I'm, I'm from Texas, so of course, you know, I grew up listening to literally country music, R&B, everything, because we're a bit of a, a melting pot for all different kinds of music, you know, jazz, everything. So when, you know, I go to Nashville and I'm able to, I was working with a lot of different country artists at the time. I think it's the thing that made me most interested in Florida Georgia Line is there are country artists who happens to do exactly what I was saying before about bringing in all of these other elements, all of these uh, different genres, you know, and they really, really really did it right with, you know, B.B. Rexa and being able to prove that, yes, we're country artists, but also we're quote unquote pop artists. If you want to label it a thing, too, we can make music that exists in one world, but while still adding the flavor of each artist. So that's what we wanted to do with Fight. We were basically like, okay, I don't, I want to add that cool thing that I have um, to country music. And I want to take the things that I love about country music, the chords, the um, instrumentation, the um, harmonies and certain things, you know, that also originate from gospel music. And I want to basically fuse them into you know, something that everybody feels like, wow, okay, so they took basically the my favorite qualities of two different genres. 
So tell me if I'm putting words in your mouth. I'm kind of, I've been asking questions about genre because I think like we live in like a world that is obsessed with like labels and genre, but it sounds like as a musician, you're just making music, but is it just like the marketing putting labels on it to like tell the audience what it is? Yeah, I think that we have a really bad thing in the society, in our society of wanting to label something, whether it's like people's sexuality or whether it's their, you know, whatever it is, they want to label it so that it can be marketed properly, I guess. I don't know what that means either. What does it matter what, you know, somebody's color is or sexual orientation or, you know, what does it matter? I don't think it's ever mattered to me. But, you know, then you start to realize that it really matters so much to the rest of the world to place a label. And maybe it just makes it easily, you know, easier to digest, you know, so that you know what you're hopping into. Maybe. But I don't think that's something that uh, I'll ever understand, you know? All that I can do is really continue to say, hey, look, for every time that you think you can label it, here's the complete opposite perspective. And you've said that you want a number one song in every genre. How close are you? Very, actually. Like, I have some, like, like some gospel. I need some, like, there's a few other things that I need to do. And there's, like, but I also want to wait till it's the right artist. So I'm only 26 years old. I have a very long way to go. So when it's the right um, artist and the, when it's meant for me to have that, you know, and when God is, is saying, look, okay, now's your time. That's the door. Then, you know, I'll have it. So I'm just kind of, like, let me always, always, always continue to uh, say those things and to speak them into existence and, you know, inspire somebody else to say, look, this shit is possible. <laughs> you seem very chill and comfortable with who you are, but also where you're at in your career. Just like, again, like you feel like you have faith that it'll happen eventually with all these number ones. Have you always been that person? Yeah, and I, and I think like any human, sometimes we might have those moments of like, whoa, do I know what I'm doing? Or, you know, but the facts are none of us know what we're doing. <laughs> we're just trying to figure it out along the way that changes and evolves over time based off of, you know, you as a human and your experiences. But I think that I stress myself out if I start to not get in those positions. Like, I, I honestly am just like, you know what? Like when probably a few years ago, I started to just be really, really focused on just taking care of like my mental, which is why I started like burnout camps and, and things like those because of the fact that I was just like, you know what? We can we can we can do that. We can just relax and, and, and chill and it doesn't have to be something that we have to take too seriously. At the end of the day, this is this is life that we're trying to figure out. And if I start to hold myself to standards that are um, just unrealistic, you know, which uh, like sometimes I realize sometimes, you know, you're going to be fucking sad and that's okay. Sometimes you're going to be happy and on a high horse and, and that's great. But as long as you allow yourself to feel those moments for what they are, I, I think I'm going to continue to be relaxed. <laughs> I asked that only because I think it'd be really easy to assume that you know, you helped Christina Aguilera on her last album. Her first album is six years and there's a lot of pressure there. But I think it'd be easy to assume that like you go to her house and you work with Christina Aguilera and that you're like comparing yourself to her. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I don't know. I think when you do something completely like just different, the fact that Christina Aguilera would say, hey, Taylor Parks, I want the thing that you have to come in and add value to the thing that I have that is also incredible. You know, I think that it's more so like, 
wow, I don't need to compare myself. There's something that I'm adding to that picture versus thinking, wow, why am I not this or why am I not that, you know? I think that it, it makes me feel really special to have something that people you know, it, it adds to people's, you know, value, you know, whatever they value at the time, whether it's the music, whether it's our friendship, whatever it is, you know. And so at 26, are you now being sought out by people you're no longer seeking out artists to work out with? Yeah. And it's interesting because like, you know, that it's kind of been that way for the past like few years. And even before, that's one thing that I will say about a lot of the people in the in the industry, whether it's an A&R or, you know, um, or an executive, they were all they always knew what I was capable of and the fact that they would still say, look, bring Taylor through the session. But I think that it's also um, a matter of it being like the right artist understanding that. And then everybody else finds out about it. And then it's, it's a natural thing. But, you know, I've been writing songs professionally since I was, you know, 19, I guess, at this at this point. And and it's it's one of those things that is bound to happen if you continue to do your thing, whatever it is. You know, there's so many artists in the world, so many different genres. Um, you just have to find whatever your spot is. You have a new coming out this year. Do you do you know when? Yes, it's coming out this fall. So like, I'm 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 excited to just continue to just kind of see what's going on with the climate of of you know releasing music and what the world needs to hear at the time. I'm really excited to just be performing new songs now. Like. I'm happy that Dance Alone is out so that I can basically start slowly introducing the world to what Taylor with a Fro sounds like. <laughs> well, I mean, you say Taylor with a Fro, but it is it is new, right? Like wearing your natural hair? Yes. Why make that choice and like, why is that important to you? I think that it's, again, like, I feel like when you're, we're in a world where it's really hard sometimes to be just like your 100% authentic self, right? And sometimes you just have to throw yourself into the deep end. You know, as easy as it sounds, like it's hard, you know, without thinking somebody's going to judge me or what if I neglect this part of my fan base or my friends or whatever it is, you know? And then you just kind of have to get to that point where you have to just jump. So I literally didn't even decide, like, this is going to be the plot and the rollout and everything, which I'm very much so that kind of person that's like, okay, I need to know what's going on six months from now because I have so many things going on um, all at once. But this time I was just like, hey, Instagram, this is me. <laughs> By the way, welcome to the new era. I hope you like it, though, because it's, it's like it's beautiful. Thank you so much. Yes, I do love it. And and it's just something where I'm like, I'm happy to let my scalp breathe. You know, we're out here feeling the hair blow through our wind when we're not quarantined. Like, <laughs> I'm here for it. One more question then I have to let you go. You have a song on your first album called Jeffrey. If anyone asks, can I tell them it's about me? <laughs> Yes, yes you can, yes you okay, can. Okay, perfect. <laughs> but you can tell them we're still cool though, we're still cool. We'll let them decide, okay. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us, this was fantastic. Of course, thank you for having me. Yeah. Boom, boom, bye Jeffrey. <laughs> and that is Taylor Parks. If you want to check out some of her music, she's got this groovy new single out right now called Dance Alone. There's also the song Jeffrey, and stay tuned for her brand new album coming out later this year. Now, if you enjoyed our interview, please help us spread the word on social media. Send a tweet, post Insta story, text your group chats, and tell them to listen and subscribe. Doing things like that are one of the biggest ways you can help us grow. So thank you so much for it. We're brought to you by The Advocate Magazine in partnership with GLAAD. 
and find us on social media at LGBTQPod. I'm also on there at JeffMasters1. All right, we will see you next Tuesday. Bye.